How have we never met? We have met. When? Um... Hey everybody, welcome back to Freecast. My name is Rob Murray. I am your host. Freecast is brought to you by the Free Press Media and is recorded, as always, at the KMSU studios on the campus of Minnesota State University, Mankato. Today we have um, incredible tattoo artist Megan Hoagland on the show, and uh, this was a real treat for me. Um, We got into a lot of stuff that I didn't think we we were going to get into. Uh, apparently, Mecca Tattoo is haunted, and uh, when I found that out, it was um, all I could talk to her about for a good 10 minutes there, so um, you, you'll have to excuse my giddiness uh, when I heard about the ghost at Mecca, or ghosts. Not quite sure what that is yet, but I love a good ghost story, and this was uh, all I needed to hear from her to just kind of go down that rabbit hole for a while. Um, Megan, by the way, um, I also mentioned this during the during the interview Um she is the best at what she does. She is uh, her her work is is known around the country, around the world, probably for all I know. Um, she's been featured in national magazines. Um, to get a to get a substantial part of your body uh, tattooed by her, you will have to wait about a year uh, to get on that waiting list. Um, it's um, she's truly fantastic, and we're lucky to have her in Mankato, and lucky to have her on Freepcast. So. Um, we're just going to get right to it instead of me babbling on about her. We'll just um, get to the interview. Here you go. All right. So welcome, Megan Hoagland, to Freepcast. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. This is, this, is, this is great to have you because I always like to be in the presence of people who are way better at what they do than I'll ever be <laughs> at what I do. And that's definitely the case today. Um, I, I just, I'm always uh, in awe of the work you do so thank you for coming in this is going to be uh, i have a lot of really like technical questions for you too so i hope you're ready for that okay good uh but before we get to that i want to jump right into the breaking news um of the mankato tattoo scene uh, which is the the expansion of mankato tattoo yep tell me about that well the second floor has always been an apartment and we keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger bigger and better yeah for sure (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have a new artist, Patrick, who's awesome. We had a laser removal service, and we have a microblader. So there's eight tattoo artists. Microblader? Yeah, she what's, she does what's eyebrows. That? Oh, I have no idea what she does. <laughs> I think she, she just, is. She just showed up. Said, "I'm a really good microblader." You no, if you want to get your microblading license, you have to do an apprenticeship at a t- tattoo shop. Hmm. So we let her come in, and she's awesome. Is she there doing an apprenticeship, or is she? Well, she's the apprenticeship is practicing doing it. Okay. So she's got clients. Okay. So you moved into the second floor of that building. Yep. Um, is that so? Is that the whole building then? Is there? There's just two floors. Oh yeah, we have the whole building. So, um, is the that that location is that the the second or the third home for Mecca Tattoo? Second. And the first one was over by uh, where Blue Bricks is. Right. Over there. Yep. Um, why did you guys move that? Was it a, a space issue? No, because our landlord sold the building oh. to Rounders, and we decided to move. And then you moved into a really interesting location, I thought, for a for a tattoo business, but it's worked out really well, right? 
Yeah, I spent like three days looking for a new location because there wasn't anything to rent. Oh, three whole days. Oh, no. <laughs> That's a long time for me. <laughs> Some people spend years trying to find the right place. No, it was kind of, we thought it was an emergency situation because our landlord was telling us that he was going to expand rounders. So I'm like, we have to find somewhere else to go. So it was like actually a kind of a yeah. <laughs> emergency. Okay. I'm like, this. I've for the artists I have to worry about, I can't just like not have a shop. So one morning I found three houses that were zoned commercial and looked at two of them. And I walked into that building, which was kind of a mess. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't uh, mull it over much, do you? You just uh, kind of a, what's, what, like a gut reaction you had to that yeah, place? Yeah, it drives just, my husband crazy. You could just sort of look at this place and you could see that this was going to be a great place. Yeah, and it was a really good deal because it wasn't in very good shape. So... We remodeled it the first floor in a month and moved in. What was there before? It was a, dre- was a dress shop. And before that, it was insurance offices. A dress shop? Yeah. What was it called? I don't remember. I didn't even notice the building the whole time I lived in Mankato. So if you don't, if uh, if uh, listeners don't know where Mecca Tattoo is, it's on, it's on Broad Street, mm-hmm. kind of across the street from the Carnegie? Yep. Uh, are you, you're not on the corner, you're one house in, right? No, it's... Or are you on the... Two or three. We're right in the middle. You're right in the middle. Okay. Um, but it just, it looks like a, a house you would see downtown Mankato. Um, yeah, it's pretty big. It's 4,000 square feet. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is pretty big. It's not haunted at all. <laughs> <laughs> is there a story there? Is there, is it... Oh my God. It you, just doesn't stop. Like when we first moved in, there was a lot of activity and then we had the space cleared by a professional. Wait, you're saying it is haunted? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, really? <laughs> I haven't noticed much lately, but when you're alone in that building, it's, there's, you hear things. Like what? Well, <laughs> we have a ghost cat. I love That Shandy stories. will not, Shandy is one that, is, that hears a cat. Shandy's our good mutual friend, Shandy Weimert, mm-hmm. who will be thrilled to have her name mentioned <laughs> a second time on Freepcast. <laughs> and... Yeah, Kelsey swears she heard someone in the building when she was there alone the other night. And Kelsey is? She's my apprentice. But there okay. was nobody there. So did she hear, like, voices or She footsteps? thought she heard Nate. Nate's our shop manager. Because he, like, served... it wasn't Nate? No. <laughs> you sure? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love ghost stories so much. Okay. There was one time where we had the ghost lady come in. She found seven... Indian warriors in John's room. The ghost lady? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can, I, can I find her on Google as the ghost lady? <laughs> no, she keeps a pretty low profile. She keeps saying she's retired, but she'll still come over. It's a local? <laughs> local yeah. person? She just comes and says, yep, there's a ghost. Mm-hmm. There's seven ghosts. There's some pretty wild stories. Really? Yeah, one time she came with the seven Indian warrior time, and she's like, she showed up with Chinese characters all over her hands, and she's like, there's a Chinaman on your front door. Wait, did she like, say Chinaman? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Right? <laughs> she's like, yeah, there's, there's a Chinaman, and he really likes your, your shop because you have a washer and dryer. Like, apparently he lived here back in the day and was would do laundry for people. And I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> But then, a couple years later, when... I mean, my, not to bring up the, cli- the the 
racist cliche of the Chinese laundry, but I mean, that, that does sound <laughs> pretty on the nose. You're going to find a Chinese ghost. Well, artist Trent was researching history in Mankato, and one of the first settlers was an Asian man who did laundry by the river. So. Okay. I don't know. So have any customers heard any ghosts? We've had people lock out because they can't be in there. That happened once. What? Yeah. He's like, I can't be in here. And then he just left. Because you told him <laughs> there were ghosts or because he like independently no, he realized there's something them. wrong here? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I just I just love ghosts. Well, it so used much. to be a funeral home. I mean. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We're supposed to repaint the walls in the basement. You just said dress shop and insurance business. I didn't know it was a funeral home. Yeah, it used to be owned by a f- furniture company, and the furniture companies used to own the funeral homes. So did you know all this when you bought it? No. That there were ghosts? No. How do you, did you feel, when did you find out, and did you want to sell the place right away when you found out? Oh, no, there's always ghosts around. I don't, I'm not scared by them. So there's no, there's no doubt in your mind that ghosts are real. Something I don't know if you want to call them ghosts or energies or spirits or whatever. This went down a whole different road that I never. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Plus, we're having our open house on Saturday, and I had a dream that I wouldn't let the Ouija board come in the shop. They had to go next door into the other neighbor's lawn to do it. Well, the open house is tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, so today is November first. It's wait, tomorrow's my birthday. Happy birthday. Tomorrow, yeah, November 2nd. I should try and get this up before that uh, hits, but if I, I mean, I probably won't, just to be honest with you, but... Uh, it's fine. I have a feeling it might be packed, so not to yeah, worry I don't about know, it. I don't know that Freecast <laughs> is going to really do a whole lot more to drive people to the event. Uh, people just want to see the building. Just they just want to yeah. come in there and see it and drink, but... So do, do does the general uh, population, do they, I mean, do people know this as a haunted place i'm just gonna stick with the haunted thing no. for a minute no but do you tell people is it sometimes a, is it a topic of conversation when you're you we'll know, talk about it ink on someone one summer the electricity went out and me and john went downstairs with his customer to tell ghost stories on purpose <laughs> and his customer was telling this story and halfway through a wire above john's head fell on his head and he like jumped up and screamed like a girl <laughs> Because he wants to believe so bad. I do, too. That's that, that's why I'm <laughs> so interested in this. I've never seen a ghost. I don't know that I can get my get my head to believe it, but I really want to. I, I want to so bad to believe that there's ghosts. There's something. Uh, there's something at my house, too, but I don't want to talk about it. Oh, you have to now. You can't just drop I was, that on me I was, and not okay. talk about it. There's a ghost cat at my house, too. Maybe it follows, follows me around. I don't know. You know it's a cat? Oh, yeah. How do you know it's a cat? Well, I heard it in the corner when I was trying to sleep, and it was like this weird meowing sound, and I just ignored it because I have two cats. But the kitten was locked in the basement, and Sweetie was outside, so I knew that there was no cat in that room, so I just ignored it. So was it weird meowing because there wasn't supposed to be meowing, or was it like a ghostly meowing? No, it wasn't ghostly. <laughs> Don't be weird. <laughs> But then I, f- I, heard, I swear to God, I heard the walls purring. And then I'm like, this is stupid. I'm just going to go to sleep. And I was like, asleep. And something meowed right in my ear, like super loud. I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, I would have went up and out of that house. 
I say that I want to believe, but I think that if I ever was confronted with it, I would get the fuck out of that place. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't scare me. They're just annoying. Like one of them knocked on Isabella's bedroom door one day and she came out and asked me why I knocked on her door. And I'm like, I did not knock on your door. <laughs> was she scared? No, she she was just annoyed. She's okay. she's 17. She gets annoyed easily. Stupid ghost cod. <laughs> Okay, so let's move beyond the ghost situation here. Um, you so w- was the expansion just because you needed more room? Yeah, and I was, I just didn't want tenants anymore because I don't want to be a landlord, and we needed the room, so it was perfect timing. Okay, so we had Anne Fion last week, and she she said that um, she's seen the, the the space and what you've done with it, and she said um, Mecca Tattoo is. A great example of what female leadership looks like. Can you explain what she meant by that? And maybe, you know, was that intentional? Did you try and design the space to have a female vibe? Not really. I just have to be in charge all the time. I've tried to work for other people and I just end up being in charge. So I just decided to open my own shop again. So what does it, what does it look like in Mecca? Why, why would she say it, has, it, it feels female? Which is a good thing, but um, what, what does she mean by that? Well, I decorated the whole place. So everything that, like, there's wallpaper up that Kelly and I picked out together. What does it look like? It's, the the waiting room is gold wallpaper with, like, filigree all over it. Or damask or whatever you call it. And then the waiting room is a dark teal and we have Victorian furniture. And Tom's room has, like, velvet wallpaper that's bright red and... I don't know. I guess I'm pretty good at interior decorating. Oh, good, good. Um, so let's let's back up a little bit. Uh, where are you? I thought I saw something on as my my ten minutes of research on you before. You <laughs> You're from Owatonna. Yeah, I went to high school in Owatonna, and I went to before that I lived in Wasika. Did you know the Owl City guy? No. <laughs> Uh, listeners, that's the Fireflies song that was everywhere about five years ago. No, Harmar was closer to my age. Did Did you know? Is he from? Yeah. Owatonna. Yep. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Harmar superstar. Yep. He's because he's pretty cool. He's amazing. He's kind of a big deal in the Twin Cities. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Was he in your grade or was he in your? He's like, younger than me. Age? I think his. I don't remember how they went because he has an older sister and brother. So I, was, I think I was in between them. Uh, so you went to Owatonna High School? Mm-hmm. And that in your class of? 92. Two, 92, okay. Mm-hmm. Getting up there. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Considering I think our new receptionist was born that year, I just ignore it. It's like I don't feel that old. I do some days, but I just it's just a number to me. I was class of 88, so you're not as old as, <laughs> not as, old as me. <clears throat> so did you know right away, um, or when you were in high school, did you know that you wanted to be a tattoo artist, or did you have Oh, hell no. Nobody was getting tattooed then. So what, what, was, your, what, what, what was your goal back then? Um, actually, that really stressed me out because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So what did you do? I went to Arizona and partied for three years, and... That got a little out of hand, so I came back home, and I was a bartender and waitress for a year before I asked for an apprenticeship at a shop in Owatonna, which was not my idea, by the way. When you say you partied too hard in California, what, 
Arizona. I'm sorry, Arizona. Um, <laughs> first of all, why Arizona? And how how too hard are we talking? Um, well, my grandma lived there, so I okay. went down there to go to ASU. And I don't know if I can elaborate on the partying because I know my mom's going to listen to this. <laughs> well, then we don't we don't need to go any further then. I don't want anybody's mom to be offended. I'm totally um, okay like talking about that in private. I'm like an open book. You had a few drinks. Yeah, and then some. And then we'll leave it. We'll just leave it in there. <laughs> so was ASU, was that the school that if you are a resident of Arizona, it's like super cheap to go there? Yeah. So that's that was the problem is I worked for a year. So I had a year to not go to school. And then I just met so many people that, I mean, it's a party school. So I didn't get very far, but I ended up back here for a reason, obviously. And when you say you came back here, did you come to Mankato or did you come to, oh, you, you, said, you said Owatonna. Yeah, I was in Owatonna. You did a, you started work at a shop there. Yeah. Why? Uh, the guy I was dating at the time said I should do, ask for an apprenticeship because I'd be good at it. So I did. And that was an interesting year. Wait, so the, <laughs> the world known tattoo queen started out because her boyfriend said she might be good at it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because back then it was just bikers. Well, he was getting right. Tattooed, like nobody was getting tattooed. That guy like, was a genius. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you ever, you ever call him up once in a while and say, "Hey, by the way, thanks," because yeah. I'm like a legend in this industry now, <laughs> and it's because of you. He knows. He knows. Okay. Do you still keep in contact with him? Yeah, every once in a while. And so you started doing it. Did Did you think he was right that you might actually, you know, have some talent for? for no, I just thought it was cool. My mom told me I could do it as long as I didn't do it forever. <laughs> <laughs> but this was pre-Miami Inc. before it was on TV. Like, we were the outcasts of society. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, now it's all glamorized. Back then it was dirty. So did you, did you kind of connect with that ideal? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'd been partying in Arizona, so I was like already a part of that scene. But when I came back here, I wasn't. So, I don't know. I just worked as much as I could and tried to figure it out because my apprenticeship didn't really teach me that much. I was basically self-taught, which don't do this at home. So was what was there any part of this um you so you you didn't go into this because it was a dream of yours. You went into it not that it was a last resort or that it, you had nothing else to do, but was there any point in the early time of your career where you're like, okay, I need to make something of this, so I need to kind of buckle down and get good at this? Um, it took me about a month of like trying it out to see if it was something I wanted to do, and then I was committed after that. And I, I was just like trying to get as good as I could as fast as I could and keep up with all the guys because there were no women tattooing. There was like that I knew of in the whole United States, which I'm sure there were more, but that was a male. Certainly a male-dominated field. Mm-hmm. And still is, correct? Yeah. It's better. But <laughs> it's not the same. You know, the only two tattoo artists I know are women. You and <laughs> you and, you and and Kelly Bundy. Yeah. My little rising star. Yeah. Um, so people who, who haven't seen Megan's work... Um, I'm. Uh, you would be amazed at what you see. It's. It's. Like, I mean, you know, think of a, the most, 
elaborate detailed painting or photograph you can imagine she will put that on your back and it will be it will look exactly like you want it to look it's it's actually pretty stunning and so i'm thinking now of your of how you kind of stumbled into this work and now mm. you do the kind of work that even <coughs> really good tattoo artists probably can't do or maybe i'm wrong about that maybe maybe i don't know but it look it seems like if i want to read about you the things you can do are not normal i mean you you do extraordinary work yeah um, there's a lot there's a big black and gray black and gray community like reproduction artists now but when i started there wasn't any there was a couple guys that were doing portraits did you know that that's what you wanted to gra- no, graduate I to i didn't see any of this coming like this is all fate so you were starting out you're doing what like barbed wire and, and mom tattoos mm-hmm. when you first started and then and taz taz Taz, lots of Taz. What's that? What's what's Taz? The cartoon character Taz as a fireman, Taz like running, Taz as a whatever. Everybody the was Tasmanian getting, devil. Yeah, everybody was getting Taz and barbed wire. Okay. Yeah, I think okay. I can. I think I can remember that being a common tattoo. So you're doing a lot of those, <laughs> and at some point though, you you decided to to I don't know uh, take it up a notch do harder stuff i mean what tell me about your progression to get from that to where you where you are today well i was in the Oatana shop for about a year and then i took over his northfield shop and i was basically by myself so i didn't really know what i was doing like i i knew enough to tattoo someone but there's no way i could have done a portrait and then once i moved to mankato um i started having other artists come do guest spots and then I started doing conventions, so I started learning other techniques. And since I meaning what, you go to conventions, tattoo conventions, where you learn yeah, well, new ways to do things, tattoo and meet other people and learn tricks every at every show. But I was always a reproduction artist before I started tattooing. Oh, like pencil drawing and stuff. Oh, so okay. So that's like you, it just morphed into that. You take a photograph and do a pencil drawing of that photograph. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that that's kind of the the foundation for what you're doing now. Right. You were good at that with a pencil and paper. Right. And so you wanted to be good at that with uh, what's it called, the ink gun? Well, ink. it was all on customer requests, and there were no portrait artists. So once I started figuring out black and gray, I just started getting more customers asking for that. Hmm. Yeah, it took about five or six years to get any good at what I was doing at all. Is it hard to go from being good at reproduction <laughs> with a pencil and paper to doing it with with a tattoo ink? What's it called, by the way? I'm not using the right terms here. What, what's, the, what's that <laughs> thing called that you use to put ink on a person's a body? A tattoo machine. Just a tattoo machine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was it um, hard to go from the pencil to the tattoo machine? Yeah, because you're when you're tattooing, you have to entertain someone, concentrate on mm-hmm. what you're doing, take into consideration their skin and how the ink's going in and like your stencil, try not to lose that. So it's, and it's unforgiving. If you make a mistake, it's there. You can't erase it. So it is a lot different. So I, I want to know how you do this. Um, when I looked at some of the work that you've done, um, let's take, for example, the most, or one of the more recent ones you did, uh, um, the Davy Jones, the pirate, not the <laughs> singer from Pirate to the Caribbean. Um, on the on the guy's forearm, um, th- were you given a photograph of that? 
Mm-hmm. And then what do you do at that point? You said you have a stencil. Do you create something? Is there a computer program that allows you to Yeah, there's computer programs now that you can just take a photo and make it into a line drawing. And then you make a stencil and put that on. And it's actually on his back arm. So this Davy Jones's face is on his elbow. Okay. Yeah. So you take the photograph. Is it does it print out a stencil and you put that on somebody's arm and yep. stencil but there's a lot of shading that you have to mm-hmm. do and that seems to me like it might be the is that the challenge getting all the shading correct the proper yeah for sure because you you have to all the inks are different and to get the gray shading you either have to go faster or you water the ink down so it takes a while to find a good mixture what's your best theory of doing that pro- it looks like it's so I mean it's almost Rembrandt-esque how you have to get so pre- so precise with with the, the shadows and the shading I mean how do you do it is it just all by you just eyeball it up and say this is what I think it should be or do you have yeah, a I'm system just like in place a, I'm just like a copy machine so you're just looking at it saying mm-hmm. it has to be that shade I need to dilute this ink that much do you do the dilution or do you, do you just go fast that's what you said right either dilute it or go faster yeah, I, dil- I dilute it. You do? Okay. It just, oh, I don't know. It just seemed like <laughs> it'd be so difficult to get all that so accurate and so precise. Yeah, it used to be. Now I do it all day. I'd rather be shading than lining because outlining to me is harder than shading. Shading's easy. Oh, that's the easy part you're saying. Yeah. What, I, what <laughs> I'm saying is the hard part you're saying is the easy part. Mm-hmm. Okay. For me. All right. Well, that shows how dumb I am about all this stuff. You're not dumb. <laughs> not, uh, about this stuff, I probably, I wouldn't, maybe not, maybe dumb isn't the, the proper term. But Yeah, uh, there's a there's a lot to tattooing. Like people <clears throat> people ask for apprenticeships a lot and they just have no idea what they're asking for. It's like having another child. I have to be totally responsible <laughs> for everything that you do and say and post on social media and teach you how to permanently mark people. Like, Asking for an apprenticeship is—they <laughs> don't know what they're asking for. So do you do you do them often? You said you have the, the what's what do you say the blade person microblading microblading. Um, she's an apprentice. Yeah, but she's not really. She's just she has to get hours in to get her license. That's all she's doing. My apprentice has to actually learn do a like serious apprenticeship. Do like, you always have an apprentice? No. You have one now. Yeah. She's very lucky and she knows it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Her name's Kelsey. Kelsey, okay. Yeah. But she was our shop manager for four years, so she knows all the ins and outs of the industry. She knows the business. Mm-hmm. Did that factor into your decision to take her on as an apprentice? Yeah, for sure. So how does an apprenticeship work in the tattoo business? How long do you have to be an apprentice and is there... Are there any uh, guidelines or regulations? Is it? Well, the state requires them to have two uh, two hundred hours of tattooing. So, so it is regulated by the, by the state. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I usually make them do it for about three years before I set them free. Like Kelly was my last successful apprentice, and she worked out. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she's amazing. And you hired her to work in the shop. Yeah, it was when I was working at my house in a private studio. I could tell stories, but she'd totally kill me. <laughs> well, I mean, we're here for stories, so if you want to <laughs> risk that, uh, that's why we're here. But I, I, if you don't want to, you know, 
No, I asked her to. Anybody. I asked her to apprentice because I know that she, that was something she was super interested in, and she'd been laid off for a year. So I asked her to come over one day, and she showed up in a. In a <laughs> she showed up looking a little rough, <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as I asked her, she was all in. Like, she was by my side for three years, traveling with me and learning. And now she has like her own cult following. Like her work is super good. I think she'd be a fun person to have by your side for a couple of years. Yeah, she's. We had fun. Um, What other regulations are there for the apprenticeship? It's just it's just the hours. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Don't get me started on the health on the health department. Well, that's that's one of my questions for later. We can talk about that now. Are 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 things safer in the in the industry now than they were when you started? They're way safer, but not because of the health department. It's because of artists actually learning cross-contamination and how to not give someone hepatitis C. So it's a lot cleaner, but that's because of the artists. It's not because of regulations. So do you do you make your, your operation safer? I mean, do you educate yourself on what's safe and is there... Yeah, like I'll call someone out if I see them not being safe. So I don't, I trust all my artists to be clean and have a sterile environment. That's not an issue. Is the equipment you have now, is that better than it was 20 years ago? Is it safer? Um, I use the same equipment that hasn't changed, but there are different types of machines that some people use that's different. But um, overall, it's about the same. We're just better educated. Um, okay. Sorry, just checking my notes here. <laughs> um, so you, are, we already talked about, uh, did, I was going to ask if you had any mentors or idols or people you looked up to early on. It sounds like you you kind of didn't. No, there are a few people I definitely did, but it was more just creating close friends that were tattoo artists so that we could I don't know, share stories and learn from each other. Well, as you were transitioning into this more, you know, um, what's the actual term for the kind of work you do? Uh, black and black and gray reproduction. So as you're transitioning into the black and gray reproduction, was there anyone that you looked up to or said, hey, this guy's shit is amazing. I want to do it just like that. Yeah. Jack Rudy and Brian Everett were like the ones that started it. So I always looked up to them they started it like there was a they were the they were the first two doing actual like portrait work and Tom Renshaw they were like ones in California the other ones in New Mexico and the other ones in Detroit are they still doing it mm-hmm. have you surpassed their expertise maybe <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter like they're they're like the founders of the type of work that I do yeah so and they and that's how it always will be they'll they'll always trump me um so the tattoo that i mentioned earlier when you went to um when you d- when went to went to omaha to do the pirates of the caribbean davy jones guy mm-hmm. um did you just go there to do that was it like a on the, hey we're gonna fly you out to do this tattoo on this guy because you did that in one day yeah it looks like it would Again, knowing nothing about your business, it looks like that would take some time to do. Well, 
Like you may have to come back a few times to. I kind of have it. a little ADD, so once I like start hyper focusing, it doesn't take me long to get a lot done. And but that's a uh, like a full side of a guy's arm, right. right? You said the back of his arm, right? But that was a customer I had up here, and he moved down there. And my in-laws live in Omaha, so I just drove down there for the day to work at that shop. And Silas hung out with his grandparents. So you went down there, were you like, did they, because you're Megan Hoagland, they just, oh, Megan's coming. Let's just clear <laughs> out some room in our shop so she can come in and no, work it, on this No, they guy. had just expanded, so they had plenty of room. And yeah. it, I, my friend Dave works there, so I went to go see him. But Omaha is only four and a half hours away. Do you do that a lot, though? Do you travel to work on people? Um, I'm going to start to again next year. I think I have almost one a month for six months straight, like a convention. But, um, yeah, I haven't done much traveling the last year because shit's been crazy. Right. <laughs> we'll get to some of that. Um, so are you, this may not have been your dream when you were in high school to be what you are today, but would you consider yourself right now kind of living your dream? You have your own business. You, you've got, from what I understand, you have to, you have a, months or years long I'm not sure how long it takes to get in with you if I want to get my whole back done by you how long would that take me right now I have a year waiting list which seems like a a good problem to have mm -hmm. um, so are you living your dream is this yeah my mom found something I wrote in like first grade or something like what do you want to what do you want to be when you grow up and I wrote down a famous artist <laughs> so I've always wanted to be an artist I just didn't see how that was feasible like to be a successful artist and to actually make money. So this worked out. So you're living the dream. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I started tattooing, you, most people had to have, a, have another job to make enough money to survive. And now this is my career. And you're doing it in Mankato. And I'm doing it in the middle of nowhere. So why man? <laughs> <laughs> why, why Mankato? I kind of got stuck here. I started having kids and... It's the their story dad of lives our lives. here, and I always wanted to move, but it never worked out. And now I don't want to move. Like everything's perfect right now. Not gonna wood. So do you? Do you mean? Um, I mean, do you legitimately like it here now, or do you feel like this is just where it all happened and you can't go? No, I like it. I love my shop. I love my house. We just moved two years ago to right outside of town, so we have three and a half acres right on the trail. Everything's great. The only thing I don't like is the stupid weather. But you longing for those Arizona days when you were yeah, that's drinking. that's where I'll probably retire. Oh, really? Okay. That's where I belong. Okay. But right now, this is what's going on. Because you could probably do this anywhere. I mean, right? I mean, oh you've yeah, got, you've got all these customers, and they'll probably follow you wherever you go, and your name will follow you wherever you go. Mm -hmm. You could set up shop probably anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I have worked everywhere. And that's the plan, right? I mean, once So what is the plan? Are you going to when the, <laughs> when your, your kids are out of the house, you're going to you going to head south? I don't know. Pick up Mecca. Silas is only 6. That's like a long ways away. That's a yeah, you you got some time to wait. And plus that. I have to talk Tony into moving cuz he hunts and fishes everywhere here. You can hunt feral hogs in Texas. True. It's warm down there. Yeah, have we you heard of that problem by the way. 
Yeah, I didn't think that was real. <laughs> I didn't think it either. I was listening to an episode of uh, a podcast called Reply All, and it was all about this feral hog situation. I had no idea. Why don't they just shoot them? Well, they are. <laughs> For sport. That's part of the problem. They want the sport part of this whole thing to stay alive, so they got to keep the hogs around. Oh, anyway, my God. We won't talk about that. Um, uh, so, okay. Looking at my list of questions here to see what we've already gotten to. Um, just bear with me a second. I'll edit this out. Oh, I know what I want to ask you about. So you have... I was looking at the tattoo you did of a woman's leg. Mm-hmm. And she's got Tony Soprano on there, and I think Al Pacino from Scarface. Mm -hmm. I think Robert De Niro, maybe, is that mm -hmm. on the back of the leg? That looks like a really, um, like a concept maybe somebody came to you with and said, I want to do this, this, and that. How can we make this work? Or did that person come to you with everything written out that she wanted? Yeah, she came with all the images. She's a collector where she's one of the, those people that goes around and specifically gets tattooed by specific artists so because well, she's of, a collector of artists yeah so for listeners this tattoo is uh it's 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 insane it's her whole leg mm -hmm. and it's got poker chips and palm trees and al pacino holding his machine gun and mm -hmm. it's it's crazy yeah it's a collage um so that whole did you do the whole leg mm-hmm so who else who else is she collecting in her body? I mean, was I'm not sure what um other artists she's going to. Uh, Kelly and I did her sleeve sleeve like we collaborated on it. But her and her boyfriend like travel around to conventions and go to California to get tattooed by people. Like they research the artists. And did she come to Mankato to get that done? Mhm. Mm yeah, she lives in Minneapolis. Okay. So that whole thing um so she had the whole idea that was everything on there was what she wanted or did you have to talk to her about because there's so many images and so many things happening there did you have to try and talk to her about this won't work on a calf I got to put it on a, on a thigh or something was there any talk like that no she just gave me the images and then a couple of them I had to find different ones of like a different version of the person but yeah and then do you have to get that okayed with her she does she trusts me okay really okay <laughs> yeah it's to the point in my career where some people just show up and they're like just do whatever you want which I kind of have to get some sort of direction from them what they want but she she already knew what she wanted so the do whatever you want idea of this is always I, I think that's fascinating too there's a I think there's some people who would say that and some who would say no I want it's my body I want complete control over what you're going to what's what's going to be on there do you find most people are one way or the other most people have a good idea what they want so they have to email me and then I accept the idea and then give them a price and put them on the waiting list but if someone's trying to <coughs> micromanage the whole process too much like too neurotic about it I'm not going to work on them because you have to give me some sort of artistic freedom does that happen sometimes is there ever a um, confrontation between you and yeah, the customer? every once in a while. But eventually, if I tattoo them enough, they totally trust me and just 
want me to run with it. And I'm the same way with my artists. I'll give them a concept and let them do whatever they want. So how much has customer or has, how much have customer requests changed? Well, now everything we used to do is just like a one and done thing. And now people are starting with giant projects, like a whole sleeve or a whole leg. So that's some serious job security. Is that, is that what you mostly do now? I mean, do you, would you do just a tiny thing on somebody or you? Oh yeah, for sure. I'll fit those in all the time. Okay. But if you wanted to get a, like this leg you did, Mm -hmm. how long did that take by the way? Um, We're supposed to finish it this month. So she's been coming in once a month for, I think we started in March. And is that what you do that day? Mm -hmm. So how many hours is that then? Um, She'll usually sit for five or six hours. So. So, yeah, eight months of that. And I did the same thing with my leg last year. I had an artist in the cities do my leg. I just went in once a month. What's on your leg? It's. Wings if you don't mind my ass. <laughs> it's wings and filigree. It goes all the way up my leg and then all the way up my back. I'm really glad I didn't start getting tattooed like that when I first started. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I'm, I don't think the work would have been as good. And I would have sacrificed a lot of like space on my body that I'd want now to tattoo. What's the most challenging tattoo you've ever done? <laughs> you sure you want to know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I tattooed someone's balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're blushing. <laughs> That's okay. Why? Uh, really? You can tattoo anything on a person's body. You can even tattoo the bottoms of their feet. It won't stay, but you can do it. It won't stay. No. But it'll stay in the balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you put on there? I have to. I just have to know. It was a traditional rose on each one. <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> have you ever refused to do uh, something for content reasons? Um, yeah. Yeah, the whole racist thing I'm not okay with. But usually we refuse to tattoo kids that want to get, like, their hands or their neck tattooed as a first tattoo. You, like, won't, you won't do those? No. Ethically, it's just not cool. So if I wanted to, if I came to you and I wanted a swastika on my back, you wouldn't do it? No. Okay. There's some artists that will. Some people just don't care. Yeah. Have you ever said no to a tattoo because it would be too challenging or difficult to pull off? Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have unrealistic expectations about the amount of detail we can do for, like, the size they want it. So it has to be big enough so that it'll hold up. So you've you've turned down people's requests for some things? Oh, yeah, all the time. Okay. Or we'll try and talk them into doing it differently. Okay. Interesting. 
um, let's let's transition. Uh, t- tell me about your family. You're you, you're married. Mm-hmm. Married to Tony. He runs he runs Nakato <clears throat> in North Mankato. Mm-hmm. And I have a. Son. How long have you been married? I don't know. You don't okay. <laughs> Five years, I think. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to have asked such a difficult <laughs> question. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Um yeah, so I have a seventeen year old daughter named Isabella <coughs> and a thirteen year old daughter named Cordelia, a twelve year old named Mercy, and a six year old son named Silas. And then we have <coughs> we have a dog two cats now and a tortoise a tortoise mm-hmm. what's tortoise's name <laughs> honey <laughs> i didn't name any of the animals <laughs> how many dogs do you have just one what kind of dog do you have he's a german wire-haired pointer he's crazy mm-hmm. um uh, just so i mean i'm sure i'm sure people are wondering six uh, four kids Mm-hmm. Married for f- six years. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have kids together? Are they? Uh, um, yeah, Silas. Just is, clear the air here. It's, <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> Silas is be is uh, mine and Tony's. Okay. And then the two middle ones, Thomas is their dad. He lives in town, and then Isabella's dad lives in Florida. Okay. Um. Let's talk about Izzy. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, you went through an experience uh, last April with her, and and you and you do want to talk about this for for listeners who are wondering. I, I did ask her beforehand if this was okay to bring up because mm-hmm. um, I it seems like it's an important part of your life, and mm-hmm. um, you very much want to talk about this. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so she. If you're a Facebook friend with Megan, which I am, you you saw that she began posting uh, basically a missing persons poster mm-hmm. of your daughter mm-hmm. in April. And why don't you tell me what happened there and um, why this is something you want to talk about? And well, she's safe now, right? She was found and she's safe? Oh, yeah. She's awesome. Okay. But um, I guess it started in junior high. So she started hanging out with some pretty shady people and she was just hell bent on just having some sort of gangster lifestyle and so she was in outpatient treatment last winter and she did like amazing but as soon as she got out she was just like back to partying treatment for it was drugs and alcohol okay but i can see how that kind of lifestyle is like exciting for a kid Mm -hmm. like I, i think everyone can understand that and that's what she wanted to do she didn't want to and then she got in trouble with the cops and the judge said, you have to follow your mom's curfew. And she walked out and was pretty much like, fuck you, and then come home. So she was around Mankato for a couple of weeks. And then I noticed that she was taking money out of her account in Minneapolis. And I was talking to her the whole time. So, and I didn't know what to do with her at this point. Like. I tried everything I could. I was exhausted. And um, then all of a sudden she was in Chicago. <laughs> like, So I was 
talking to her and texting her and just playing dumb. I'm like, where are you? And she's like, Minneapolis. I'm like, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden there was reports that she was doing some pretty shady shit and there were stolen checks going through her account and her account got shut down. And I went to the cops. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like she's in Chicago and won't come home. And I told them what was going on, which I won't elaborate on just for her privacy, but they pinned her phone, figured out where she was, but they could only like get to a mile radius of where she actually was. And so we were just, it was like, I, I posted the missing persons flyer and went to bed. And the next morning I woke up and it had gone viral. Like it was everywhere. It was in Brazil. It was in the Netherlands. Like the tattoo community just shared the shit out of it. Wow. Yeah. And so they kept trying to find her and trying to find her. And um, Saturday morning, I was supposed to put on that fundraiser for our nonprofit. Like that was the day that our once a year big fundraiser. And I woke up and I'm like, I was, I was just in shock. I'm like, I'm too far away. I'm going down there. So I grabbed my friend Joy and her husband and we drove to Chicago and I'm texting her and talking to her the whole time. But every time I talked to her, she'd be like, mom, I got to go quick. I'm like, who the fuck are you talking to that you have to go and you can't talk to me? And I'm like, I, I give up. There's nothing I can do. So I went to bed and we got up at five to come home and she called and she's like, hey, can you come get me? The cops won't let me leave. So the second we were leaving town, <laughs> she um, we got her and put her in her car, and the rest, everything just fell into place. It was like years of just hell with this kid, and then I don't I don't know what happened. Everything just fell into place. She wasn't okay with it, but she ended up being court ordered into treatment and spent five months there, and she's a whole new person. Five months in treatment. Yeah. Well, where was that? Uh, she was in Winnebago for two months, and then she was um, oh, in a halfway that, house. Okay, I know where that place is. Mm-hmm. And she's okay now. Yeah. Is she but li- living in town, or where where does she live now? She's at Job Corps in St. Paul. But I I've been talking to so many parents that have kids that are just like, there's nothing I can do with these kids. They just don't care. They don't listen. They just want to get high, like everybody's vaping now. And I can't give them any advice because I I, I know I saved her, but she saved herself. And it took treatment for that to happen. Hmm. But even getting her into treatment was a nightmare because my insurance wouldn't cover it. Of course it wouldn't. Um. That sounds like a nightmare to go through, did not. It was like to, a movie. Just, just feel helpless. Yeah, and then it happened again yesterday. Like one, like my girl's cousin, I had started talking to her mom because Isabella's in St. Paul and that's where they live. And then she started telling me about her daughter that was pretty much doing the same thing. Just wanted to get high, started self-harming. And then we got her into Winnebago where Izzy was. And I'm. we were finally like, okay, now she's safe. No, she took off, went missing. 
So these, and this is the this is the kid you posted most recently. Yeah, this on was Facebook yesterday. Um, and so her mom called me yesterday morning, and she's like, she's really upset, and she's like, nobody's doing anything. Like they made a missing persons report, and that's it. Nobody knows where she is, and nobody's doing anything. So I put it, I got it on the news. I made flyers. I went to Winnebago and started like handing them out. I spent all day yesterday doing that and you just were, so you were in Winnebago just handing out flyers. Yeah, I was hanging them up at gas stations and everywhere I could find. I went to Otana and then Wasika and I was checking in with the cops to make sure they knew because we thought they were headed that way. And I was trying to keep her calm because she was like, "What?" This was her mother. Yeah, she's like, "What?" I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, what's your instinct? What do you think is happening? Where do you think they are? And she's like, I think they're still in Winnebago. Like, I think we're going about this all wrong. And she was right. Just like my instinct to get in my car and go to Chicago was right. It was all instinct. Mm. It's crazy. (laughs) So, yeah, they found those two kids last night in Winnebago. And her mom was right. And they're safe. Mm Mm-hmm. But we didn't know. We didn't. We had no idea where they were. They did not pop up the whole time. Not in social media. There were sightings, but it wasn't them. What were they doing? I don't know yet. I'm giving her some space. (laughs) It's probably not wise to speculate anyway. But I mean, yesterday morning, your mom thought she was dead in the field. Like she was getting ready for worst case scenario. And I'm like, nope, she's going to be fine. We're going to find her. That's where every parent's mind is going to go. I mean, when their kid's gone, they can't figure out anything about their whereabouts. Your mind goes to the worst-case scenario. It happens to me all the time, and I've never had anything close to this kind of a situation. I mean, if they yeah. don't call back, and it's just last night, my son was coming home from uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and good driver and everything, but I went to bed thinking I, it's possible he could a deer could run out and mm-hmm. he could not make it here. I don't know how teenagers survive, honestly. (laughs) Just idiots. (laughs) But, I mean, social media and the news is what helped find her. And I just literally harassed, like, one of the news stations until they did a story of it. I'm like, nobody's taking this seriously. These kids have no coats, no money, no food, and no one's doing anything. So they got a story up, and then then people started paying attention. But without that, like, I don't know if we would have found them. Hmm. And something bad could have happened. Yeah. So, yeah, we look like crazy people running around southern Minnesota handing out flyers, but I I don't think there's anything that you could do that's too much when your kids are missing. Like, go nuts. Tell everybody. So is that, I, I was going to ask you, what, what did you learn through these two situations? Mostly your own situation, but I mean, what did you learn about? Well, anything? my short-term memory is pretty much gone, which is fine with me. <laughs> like, it's kind of a self-preservation thing. Like, I had a dream last night where I had to keep asking people the same question over and over because I couldn't remember. But, I mean, I'm being a little dramatic, but I, I'm a lot more forgetful, forgetful now. But I guess what I learned was that just what I said, you, there's nothing too much. Like, I don't I don't care if you look like a crazy person. If your kid's missing, you have to take it seriously. Because 
it's like if if someone's like dying of cancer, you pretty much drop everything to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like it's a serious situation. And it turned out that she was probably just partying. But there was enough, I don't know, shady shit going on that I wasn't going to not find her. She didn't think I was going to come down there. She thought I was just going to let her go. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think you knew who your mom was. And this was, uh, I think you said earlier, you, it was in the projects. It was kind of a, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that is even the right word anymore, but um, dangerous area yep. of Chicago. Yeah, we had someone helping us like that lived down there to tell me where I could stay that was somewhat close because I could not stay there. It was too dangerous. Hmm. Well, um, <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about today as long as we're here? I don't, I don't have any other big questions for you. Um, I don't think so. Do you have anything coming up? Well, I guess we probably won't be on the air in, in time for your uh, grand opening of your new place. Is there anything else you work with? You work with MWAC, right? Yeah, that's the Midwest Arts Catalyst. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Got all worked up about teenagers. Yeah, that's we just do one fundraiser a year and we, we give money to the Heather Fitzsimmons at the Alternative School. Mm-hmm. She's an art teacher there, and Lancers, and the Maker's Space, and the 410. But <laughs> God, last year was a shit show. Because <laughs> well, my because partner, you, because you were busy doing. Well, I was busy doing more that. Things. And Edgar died two weeks before oh. the event. It's like once that happened, I was out. Like I just had someone else take over because. We were dealing with his loss, which happened way faster than we thought it would. And for listeners who don't know, that's Edgar Byrne. Um, I never knew him, but you you knew him pretty well. Yeah, I mean, the whole reason we started MWAC was because of him. He was sick. He had cancer, and uh, it was started as a fundraiser for. It started as a fundraiser for, his bills. for him because he was diagnosed with stage four liver and pancreatic cancer nine years before he died. And the fundraiser was super successful, but the next year he was still around and he wanted to give back to the community. So we started a nonprofit to do that. And it just kept going. Like every year we just kept doing the same thing. And it's something that everyone looks forward to, I think. So I'm, next year it will be more like a tribute to him for mm-hmm. sure and to help out his girls. Edgar, I, like, like I said, I didn't know him, but from what I've read and what I've heard uh, since his death, he was just a beloved character <laughs> in Mankato. Um, I've heard nothing but good things, great things. Yeah, he's about Edgar. It, he's still around. I think he used to sit <laughs> in this chair right here that I'm sitting in for a radio show he was involved in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's nothing else you want to talk about, Megan, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. I love learning so much about uh, <laughs> all your ghosts and all your tattoos, and i um, gl- glad to hear your daughter's doing well. Yeah, I'm super lucky. Like, it doesn't work out for everybody. So. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks.